I think coming out of like a post-World War II and then the baby boomer thing and then Gen X, it's just what I'm on the tail end of. Like we saw a, a style of masculinity that we just decided that's, it's not conscious. We wouldn't have used these words in the past, but it's not conscious. It's, uh, we wouldn't have used the word patriarchal either, but now we recognize it as that kind of that. It's violent. It's not tender. It's gruff. It's a lot of those, you know, more aggressive and quote unquote masculine ways of being. And many of us said, Hey, we're not going to do that. We're going to be opposite. And so we tried to be nice. We tried to be empathetic. We tried to be, to make good decisions, sound decisions. And unfortunately it kind of separated us from a, from a healthy masculinity mm-hmm. where sometimes aggression is necessary, where sometimes that kind of strength is required. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of, you know, I, I, I say the opposite of a pole. When I mean a pole is like the North Pole on the, on the globe. The opposite of a pole is also a pole. Yes. And so it's, it's easy to swing from one ineffective place in life to another ineffective place in life. Welcome to the Revelation Project podcast. I'm Monica Rogers, and this podcast is intended to disrupt the trance of unworthiness and to guide women to remember and reveal the truth of who we are. We say that life is a revelation project, and what gets revealed gets healed. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Revelation Project podcast. Today, I'm with two gentlemen who also have a podcast of their own, and I thought it would be fun to invite both of them to come on the show, and you'll see why shortly. First, I want to introduce Daniel Penner-Klein, who was born in Southern Mexico and raised in Northern California by his adoptive parents. He was a collegiate athlete, studied in Australia and Alaska, and earned a degree in journalism. He's now a painter, writer, and co-host of the podcast, Cutting for Sign, which explores the emotional, physical, and cognitive potential expressed through human lives. He's currently working on a book chronicling the experience of witnessing his mother's murder when he was four and the subsequent confrontation decades later with the emotional effects on himself and the others involved. To wind down, Daniel partner dances and plays blues piano. He's currently based out of Northern California and keeps an art studio in Portland, Oregon. My second guest is Ron Cecil, who was born in rural New Mexico, where he fell in love with the divine, rock climbing, and smoking cigarettes in secret. That was my favorite. (laughs) He has degrees in New Testament literature and psychology. And though he seemed destined to become either a cowboy or a preacher, spent years running large businesses domestically and abroad. In 2016, he committed to his calling as a masculine wholeness coach and now guides men through the journey of resetting their nervous systems and disrupting patterns that have kept them from creating mental, physical, and emotional health. Lasting romantic love has also been a vital aspect of Ron's story. His parents were married. 13 times, and this has created in him a devotion to understanding what makes a healthy marriage. He's been vibrantly partnered since 2009 and is now father to a daughter and adopted son. In 2020, Ron completed a lifelong goal by speed climbing Yosemite's Half Dome. Later that year, he co-founded the podcast Cutting for Sign and at the same time doubled down on his 
lifelong pursuit of writing. He's currently working on a modern Western inspired by the works of Cormac McCarthy and set in the high desert where he grew up. Okay, you guys, seriously, can anybody beat those bios? Daniel, Daniel has a serious gift at writing bios. It's kind of one of his superpowers. I was tearing up listening to Daniel, like listening to him. I was like, damn, I'm proud of that guy. I know. Like, it's just, okay, Daniel, I know who to call to spice up my bio. I would be happy to do that. You know, it's fun. I didn't expect that to be something I would enjoy so much, but we write a little intro for every guest we have. And I've, I've really enjoyed it way more than I thought I would. Well, you know what it brings up for me is actually you guys were just mentioning the the our last pos- podcast episode, yeah. right? Which was now I'm forgetting what I called it, but it's uh, beautiful you, right? And there's that way that we tend to forget unless somebody else is reflecting it back on us. Like, what is our brand of beauty? What is our brand of uniqueness? And what what is our compelling story that others might immediately kind of want to hear about? And yet we go around being like, oh, you know, uh, I guess I'm okay. Yeah, we downplay ourselves big time. Totally. And on on another side of that, Ron and I had this little text. Uh, interaction a few weeks ago that was seemingly nothing at first, but he made some joke about his, he made a very short story that was very much not true about his origin. And it was just a little jokey text. And then I looked at it and I was like, oh yeah, I got this. And so I wrote a kind of jokey text back to him about my bio. uh, And they were totally like he was in this bio, he w- he wrote a bestseller at nine years old, like in his bio, you know, <laughs> it was just having fun, but it led to us. This is cutting for sign because that little thing and how much joy we took out of him. He later read both of those to his wife and we realized that there's something to ex- exploring other potential, other aspects of our psyche through writing, but through calling it you almost like Mm, an alter ego experience. It is really cathartic and it balances something for me. I I don't know if you know what I mean, but. Well, well, give me an example. Like let's take this even a step further. Okay. Well, there's two people I admire and I don't know where you all stand or that you stand on this, but hear me out. And one is uh, Larry David with Curb Your Enthusiasm. Mm -hmm. Do you, are you familiar with that show? Yes. Yes. Okay. So at first, for years, I thought that was him. You know, I just thought that was kind of him and an exaggerated version of him. But as I understand it, it's not. It's he's very he's a real sweetheart and he's kind of quiet and he's very different in real life. But that's also real aspects of him in the show that he's gotten to express in the world. Amplify it. Yes. Yeah. And it gets to live and it gets to bring awareness to issues like don't do this but he gets to do it and thereby tell people not to do it and i just love that that's one example i love that example and it's true you know there's this part i've been doing a lot of parts work too right and so it's it's that you know finding some aspect of yourself that's been real kind of like closed down or Mm. undiscovered unrevealed and then just because and let's face it for all of us that's our inner child and so to bring that playfulness back that levity back and really focus on it and amplify it it just and then to see how much like you were just saying how much joy because when we connect to others in that way too you and we get them we then give them permission to kind of be in that playful creative space where yeah. and I think when we do that we're able to step into other 
uh, realizations and revelations about who we really are, not this prescribed version. Yeah. And even just balancing the, balancing the energies within like Ron and I will talk, we have this, we're on the edge of something that we've, we've been discussing for several months and we can't really, we haven't figured out yet. We're figuring out how it's going to manifest itself, but we both have experienced some challenges in life as everybody has and anger or depression or some of these like maybe people tend to stuff them down type of emotions or experiences or the way that those emotions or experiences or energies express themselves they're not really helpful for life but we've worked some of that out to where like our values are we're not going to generally treat people poorly or be angry in a way that is hurtful you know what i mean yeah but those energies kind of still exist i don't have a lot of articulation around it but there's something about i think acting in a show where where the character that one of us would play got to experience a range of emotions that we both have experienced in life but don't really experience or express anymore and there's energy there there's potential value there does that make sense Oh, completely. And it's that potential that is so untapped that, you know, like for for everyone and especially, you know, in the work that you guys do in the world, there's, there's such a way that I love seeing men get super playful because Mm -hmm. you don't see it a lot. You just, you know, I think men, you know, are enculturated like so many women are to kind of have these masks, wear these masks, play these roles that are not life-giving, are not nourishing, and are not heart-centered. Your experience of, of our podcast, well, I don't know what it was, but you would ex- you would describe us as playful? That, that's a huge compliment. Well, yeah. Well, you, you also describe yourself as playful in, in the um, one of the questions I had asked you, I think oh. it was you, Daniel, that, <laughs> nice. that you, one of you said you were playful. That's cool. You know, I, I value that a lot and it's taken time to rediscover that. Well, here's the thing. Even your exploration is playful, yeah. right? There's mm-hmm. different variations on playful, but when I see men explore, to me, that's playful. Yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah. It's an interesting, I mean, I, if, if we could go back 10 years from right now and interview Daniel and I 10 years ago, I don't think we would have been as playful. I think there was a part of us that was like trying to, Hello. trying to find our way through unmanaged effort and discipline. Like we, we knew that those were required, but we didn't sure. know how to, how to handle those things. Like we didn't really have good relationships with either of those. And now to this point, I know our evolutions like have not always been on the same level, but we're we've like come back to this point where we're we're squarely doing life together. Daniel and I, he lives in a different city, lives nine hours away, but we're in contact so often. And a big part of our our journey together as friends and as as co-hosts of this podcast is unearthing that play. I mean, that the card you read to us about the porcupine and the bear playing is is us right now. Like we are we are doing that in our own life you know, by herself, like Daniel dancing and writing and painting and other creative things like that. I'm doing the same thing with writing and uh, just some other hobbies that I've got that I love. And we're, and we are encouraging each other in this process to have as much fun as we can, that there is, that the play is the process, that the play is the healing journey. And I, it's sad. Like when I, when I talk to a client or something that is 
positioned to be in a really playful place in life. Mm -hmm. Like a really, like his job should be one of the most playful things in the world. And, and instead it's drudgery because his, of his uh, position on it and the built up resentment and the lack of tools to be able to clear that, that stuff out. And the juxtaposition of that with Daniel is like, we are in real time, like trying to clear out all that stuff that we've got of, you know, not understanding who we are trying to figure out how to get there and play has been a huge tool in helping. I know for me, loving myself, squarely loving myself. Totally. And, and uh, just for our listeners sake, y'all know that I always choose a card, an Oracle card, self-proclaimed Oracle junkie over here. But the Mm -hmm. deck that I chose from today, uh, actually Ron had you guys both chose, I can't remember which one because I offered them two decks. They chose the medicine cards, which are the Native American deck done by Jamie Sams and David Carson, and they got the porcupine card. So I'll, I'll make sure to put a link to the porcupine <laughs> medicine in the show notes so you guys can check it out because yeah. it's really fun. And, uh, say, and, and it's always the best or it's always the exact card we oh, needed. Oh, wow. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. yeah. Well, I was going to say... And I'm going to just trust this. This is okay, Ron. I, I, I'm used to being very frank and open on our podcast uh, about Ron's life. But I hope that this goes okay. You know, that's one of the reasons, Ron, you said around your relationship with marijuana mm. that, you know, that you've been working it out. And I, it hit me when you were talking that one of the reasons that I am a proponent of that being part of your life still is because you are significantly more playful while you are walking and smoking a little bit when walking your dog, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's not egregious. It's not like a different personality. It just kind of emphasizes it. And, and it seems held and you seem a little more relaxed about it. And you, you use that relaxation to explore ideas, creative ideas that we, we like riff on the next day. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, I just want to raise my hand too and say like my brother grows medical marijuana. And so guess what my Christmas gifts have been over the course of the last few years, right? <laughs> and it's so great because, you know, it's something I think, you know, we can tend to get so our access, right, to that playfulness, sometimes it's like just having a little bit of help. It doesn't, Huge. you don't have to be afraid of like, you know, suddenly making that mean that we're not, or that we are something that we're not, yeah, or that's right. vice yeah. versa. It's yeah. just, it's that, it's whatever we need to kind of access that play. It's it's like, again, it's the exploration of certain things and mm-hmm. finding out like what what is here, you know, what's available in this place. And I think experimentation with all of these things are what, what the world is asking for right now, actually. Mm-hmm. We were speaking with Heather Roddy. Have you heard of Heather Roddy, the Roddy the, method? The name is familiar. Yeah. She's awesome. You would, I gar- almost guarantee you would have a great conversation with her. And she cruised over onto our show and then replayed us on her show, which was awesome. And we talked like um, quite a bit about marijuana and the role in life, but it wasn't really about marijuana. It was Ron's statement was kind of around not feeling whole or if if he needs to smoke, if someone needs to smoke, he's whole without it. Why do I need that? You know, it's that kind of thinking. Mm-hmm. And I and I get that. It, there's something there though that if you just keep taking that, it's like, well, I need to eat too. You know, <laughs> if I was whole, I wouldn't need yeah. to eat. You know, it's like, where do the the psychological the psyche needs 
stop and the physical needs. You know what I mean? There's still needs. Great question. Yeah. I do. Well, I love what I love what you're pointing to because this is the way I hear it. The, I had breakfast with a gentleman on Sunday and he said something really interesting. He said, I think we owe it to plant medicine that any of us are conscious at all. Yeah, that's a properly strong, good statement. Yeah. Right. It's helped because me, I yeah. was like, because there was a way like recreationally I did things yeah. that, you know, if my mom is listening right now, yes, mom, <laughs> I did, you know, all these recreational things that, yeah, you know, they were maybe pretty iffy back in college, but as an adult, I can be much more discerning and for different reasons and actually doing plant medicine journeys. Yeah you know, is a big part of, I think, so many people who are exploring in the spiritual realm and doing that in a way, of course, that is to access, to be with, to expand. Yeah. And so to your point, Daniel, you know, I I love that. We live in a great time right now where where the mindset around this kind of stuff is is more towards healing. transformation, access to parts of ourself that we wouldn't normally have access to, being open to being guided, being open to being vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And I, for one, you know, and seeing this in the Portland area, I'm seeing it like back East with my friends who lead that kind of stuff back East. I mean, it is really exciting. And I've been able to see not only my own life, but even in people like my mother, who's in her seventies. I love that. Have transformative experiences with it. And some kind of, you know, some kind of plant medicine. And, and I was just talking to someone last night that some of the biggest breakthroughs have been through a conscious um, consumption of different things for the purpose of healing and found some real like breathing room in that process. Mm-hmm. And the other part of that is recognizing how much of my conditioning from childhood taught me, hardwired me, didn't even teach me, hardwired my brain and my body to feel guilt at all times. Oh, yeah. And so it's actually, in that sense, been a tool to help me realize that there's no need to feel guilty. There's no need to hold on to shame and that I can have relationships with things with innocence, right? Like that was the thing that was hitting me big time with the porcupine uh, card at the beginning is you talking about innocence. And and, uh, and then I don't know if it was before we were talking or at the beginning of this conversation, but those parts of us inside us, like I, my name, you know, my name is Ron, but I, inside me, I have little Ronnie, Ron, Ron, Ronnie, uh, Ron and Ronald. And there are like parts of me at different stages of life who, who out of fear started something to try to sit, to keep us safe. And Funnily enough, marijuana, which used to be a very scary concept to me, has now become like this part where I'm like getting to kind of have a conversation with all those parts and have a kind of a not only a state of the union, but like a like a good old fashioned Ted Lasso like coach session with them. You know, like everybody gets that. to win, everybody gets to feel incorporated, and no one gets left out. That's right. And it's, it's such a great, it's such a great segue right into just your work with men, both of you, you know, like, so tell me, cause I know you guys do the podcast together, but I'd also love to just have you both speak a little bit more about then your individual work in the world. Ron, could you kind of give me a little bit more background on your yeah. work? With- yeah. Well, you mentioned, you mentioned, uh, you put some emphasis on how many times my parents have been married. 
And <laughs> I did. I yeah. was like 13 times. I yeah, mean, yeah. Like, my, that's yeah, that's amazing. That's that's, ho- that's old Hollywood territory, right? Like my dad, I think he's matched Elizabeth. I think he either is matched or is more than Elizabeth Taylor, which was kind of the, the gold standard of how many you could squeeze into a lifetime. And and then within my mother, father, aunts, uncles, including myself, cousins, there's something like 30 divorces. And I was married and divorced by the time I was 25. And I recognized pretty, uh, pretty early on the cultural, social, familial, religious conditioning and experience, hardwiring that I, that I came up in that led to all that, that, mm-hmm. that is attached to those things. And, and a big reason, are you familiar with um, the men's self-help book, No More Mr. Nice Guy? No, but I love hearing about new books <laughs> like that. It's probably one of my my most recommended books, and and it's an interesting idea. And the idea is like, I think coming out of like kind of post World War II and then the baby boomer thing, and then Gen X is just what I'm on the tail end of. Like we saw a, a style of masculinity that we just decided that's it's not conscious. We wouldn't have used these words in the past, but it's not conscious. It's, uh, we wouldn't have used the word patriarchal either, but now we recognize it as that kind of that it's violent. It's not tender. It's gruff. It's a lot of those, you know, more aggressive and quote unquote masculine ways of being. And many of us said, Hey, we're not going to do that. We're going to be opposite. And so we tried to be nice. We tried to be empathetic. We tried to be, to make good decisions, sound decisions. And unfortunately it kind of separated us from a, from a healthy masculinity Mm-hmm. where sometimes aggression is necessary, where sometimes that kind of strength is required. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of, you know, I, I, I say the opposite of a pole. What I mean a pole is like the North Pole on the on the globe. The opposite of a pole is also a pole. Yes. And so it's it's easy to swing from one ineffective place in life to another ineffective place in life. I call it actually the South Star. It's like there's... Oh, interesting. Because there's that yeah. pendulum, right? Yeah. Because we do tend to like do the whole opposite. And then yeah. what I think you're describing is so great because it's that it's that middle path, you know, yeah. where yeah. where the integration is so That's right. is possible. Yeah. So, so between my parents' stuff and then growing up in a, in a rural town where violence was really common, I was shot at in a drive-by in high school, really violent high school, lots of fist fights, and then you know, it just kind of carries over like working rodeos and all that stuff. Like it's, it's a thing. (laughs) And I, it wasn't until I was like in my mid thirties that I realized I, I had cut off access to parts of my life that would have been really useful Mm. out of resentment towards those things, out of fear of those things, out of fear of parts of myself. Daniel and I used to, you know, 10 years ago, practice some martial arts together pretty regularly. And I was a nice guy. I would like show up being a nice guy. And then somewhere in there, Daniel would kind of give me a look and be like, dude, there's something in you that's, that is not nice. <laughs> he didn't say that, but it, you know, he's like, you have, you have like a rage in you. And I had to actually like do a lot of work around that. Like it, it, it was, it would come out in, in really inappropriate places. Does it still just out of curiosity? No, no, not the way it used to at all. Not at all. Yeah, yeah. Well, and what you're describing is is so interesting, right? Because, you know, like conditioned as a as a female to be pretty, pleasing and polite, yeah, right? Yeah. And so what you're describing is that again that 
enculturation and that way that we can tend to mask what's there and to have yeah. a friend that can actually really see you. Yeah unconditionally and call you forth, right? It's, it doesn't mm. make it bad or wrong, but can right. point to point to those shadows and say like, that's potentially also, as we, as we now know, a strength, you know, an unrevealed strength once we kind of get the courage to kind of go within and really look and to reclaim those parts of ourselves we've abandoned along yeah. the way yeah. because we thought they were bad and wrong or like our parents. Yeah. You know, yep. and and to <laughs> well to your said. point, there's a way that we have to find our own way. And so back to cutting for sign, you know, it's like find our trail back home to ourselves and also to our divinity because we're both so we have that kind of human mm. mess. Yeah. You know, that humanness. And then we also have that divinity and that magical, just mystical part of us that it's like those two are trying to find each other and meet and, and integrate. And I yeah. feel like that's that middle path that is available to us now that I feel is such an exciting part of our human evolution right now. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because I call that magic and at, just out of a lack of technical you know words on that divine part of ourself and one of my favorite things i get to do with men is to teach them to have access to that yes. and and you know we have to kind of decide together my clients and i like what they're comfortable with some people like can't they can't handle the idea of of god or something like that but i think my my friend daniel here has has done a really good job of holding on to his convictions around this kind of thing and then has you know i'm gonna put i'm gonna kind of talk about you now daniel and i hope you don't mind but i wrote your bio you, <laughs> you, you answer my questions yeah this is great I, I think this was kind of a conversation he and i had back in april I, my, my family and i were living in costa rica for that month and daniel had mentioned i think you were in you were in hawaii and you were kind of going through your own big journey retracing some things from your childhood that you mentioned yeah. in the bio and mentioned before and and one of the things you'd mentioned was like leaning on the divine and it, le it leaning back. Yeah. It's like cornstarch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The harder you lean on it, the more it like answers back. You know what I'm saying? Like cornstarch and water. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I have thought about that so much. Like that's given me really great access to words to use with the gentleman I work with. Because once they, once they kind of catch on that, that they can like lean on something and it's going to lean back and give them support. It, things take off, things take off that transformation, that access to, to a, di a playful version of themselves begins to materialize. And that's my favorite thing to see. It really is. It's one of my favorite gifts to, to get to be a part of. So that, that's what I do as my day job is getting to talk with dudes and talk about their feelings and, and help them have access to playful parts. And another big parts doing this kind of thing with Daniel. And, and then, you know, he and I both have great writing projects going on that have a lot of traction and, and excitement. So I can't wait. And I, and I want to, before Daniel, we, we learn more about your life and your work. I wanted to say that I love this piece about leaning into the divine and having the divine lean back equally, right? Like I, one of the expressions that came to me once that just also sticks because it makes so much sense to me is when we align, we are divine. And 
it's like that alignment with the truth of who we are, though, which is playful, which is imaginative, which is magical, which is levity. And the more that we actually encourage those parts of ourselves, it's like it changes our whole cellular makeup. And, you know, I mean, I was one of those people that used to roll their eyes as soon as somebody talked about your higher vibration. But yeah. there is there, it makes so much sense to me now how we can only really access our divinity when we're in that state. It's not like we can't call on the divine when we're in, you know, the trenches. Of course we can, but we have such closer access to the divine when we're actually in a playful state, when we're in a state where we're open and willing to receive. and, And that's where things start to come in. And that's when shit gets magical. Yeah. I have a a little story about that. That like is to me, my example of that in my life. Yeah, I I think of it as like, I want to get back to this place or if I'm feeling discombobulated, like I want to get to what I'm about to describe. And that, and that was in the year 2000, I was 20 years old uh, and I was flying to Zambia, which is the country just North of South Africa in order to, or, or I think it's two countries north of there. It's on the border of Zimbabwe and Zambia to work in a hospital and to volunteer at a elementary school and just, you know, live there for the summer. And on the transatlantic flight over, uh, this was still in the days before we had screens, you know, to watch the whole flight. And I don't remember what I did. I just remember one time on the, on that flight that it was, it was night, the blinds were down, everyone was sleeping. I was awake I opened up my window and we were flying over uh, this incredible, massive thunderstorm that were thunderheads in every direction. And the, it would, the lightning would, would strike, you know, below us so bright that you could see the sky and you could see the sea. Like you could see the layers of clouds with electricity, the sky above and the sea below. And that was just one of the most special things I've ever seen. And I, it, it like, wow, it felt like a kiss from the divine to me. Like I was, I was looking around the airplane to see if anybody else was noticing. And it just was like, Oh my God, this is amazing. It was like, just for you. Yeah. Yeah. And I went to sleep that we've landed in South Africa. We changed planes. We, we got on a plane to go to, uh, Victoria falls and, I'm on, I'm doing my journal. I'm doing the things that we were talking that you, you know, you were describing in, in your uh, newsletter of, of like, you need these things to feel good. And I was doing that stuff then still do today. And I was journaling and kind of just thanking the divine for that gift of getting to see that amazing thing. And I was just like, this is, I'm stoked. Can I cuss on here? Is that okay? Sometimes oh, it just yeah. wants to go. Okay, good. I was fucking stoked about that. That shit was amazing. Thank you for asking that. I've been wanting to ask that. <laughs> and I, and I, guys, I don't think I've ever told you this, Daniel, but I'm not even exaggerating. Before I could finish the sentence on the piece of paper about how excited I was, the pilot of the plane I was on comes over the intercom and he goes, hey, as we uh, start our descent into Victoria Falls, air traffic, the tower just cleared us to do something I've never been able to do. So everybody moved to the left-hand side of the plane. The plane was kind of empty. There was enough seats that everybody jumped over into the left side of the plane and the pilot did a really steep circle, left-hand bank over the circle so that as we turned left, we were like stuck to the windows because of how steep the turn was. But he circled us directly over Victoria Falls, which is one of the largest waterfalls in the world. I chills right now. And 
And I am not kidding. Like the, it's a Victoria Falls is like a, a cloud factory, just these giant clouds coming out of the ground. You could see elephants walking across the Ah, upper parts of the falls. You could see people like it was Africa. Like it was such, I mean, it was like, I could have gone home and I was like, I did it. It was amazing. That was the best thing. And whenever I think about access to the divine and access to the magic and all those things, like that's, that's where I want to be. I want to live right there where there's this appreciation for it that I get to enjoy and this reciprocity from the, from the divine of going like, oh yeah, here's more. Turns out I have an unlimited gift of goodness, of goodness that I want to give you. And you've got to be in a good place to receive it. And you know, there's a lot of adult things that get in that way, right? Resentment, oh. fear, shame, guilt, all those things. And, and kind of coming back to it is, you know, it's one of those moments, like sometimes it's really easy and sometimes it's really hard, but I, I know when it's happening, I know when it's happening and I just like, I want more and I want to help people get there too. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love that story. And it's so true. And I love that you brought up the word reciprocity Mm -hmm. because again, I think that that that's that natural state of give and take, you know, of giving and receiving. And I love Lynn Twist, who's a wonderful mentor of mine, says, what you appreciate, appreciates. And so when you think about that, if you appreciate magic, you're going to get more of it. If you appreciate and and express your gratitude for things, you're going to get more of that. Yeah. And it really, it really has spoken to me that kind of universal law in a much different way that, that really teaches me that in order to access that, I have to first be kind to myself. Yeah. And you were in such a state of giving yeah. to yourself in that moment. And thank you for sharing that story. That's beautiful. Um, Daniel. Yeah. I want to like dive in. Yeah. Yeah, dang it! I had a thought around uh, around that, and I zo- I zoned out for a second. But uh, hey, okay. You'll you can just telepathically again. feel it, Ron. <laughs> I I think Daniel, you your life has reflected that a lot. You've told me a lot of stories of all kinds of things that you've stepped into. Where well, it's very obvious you're dealing with something beyond yourself. Well, what I was just going to say uh, was that that uh, what you appreciate appreciates. One of my values is expressing things to other people like writing a letter sending a voice memo voicemail stopping on the street if you notice something and being kind of more hair trigger with a compliment or an observation that might bring somebody some i'm not doing it to bring them joy but it might and ronald and i have have played around with this uh in our friendship doing it and maybe it's flirty without any um uh, expectations. Maybe it's uh, observation of another man. Like I like to challenge myself to compliment men, you know, just to normalize that, you know, like yes. say, say a man has nice eyes or something, you know, it's, it's not a sexual thing. And all of that is like a, what you appreciate appreciates. Cause I've found that that practice opens a lot of doors and it also is like a salve, like a, mm-hmm. A very healing thing on relationships too, maybe longer lasting relationships. And so sometimes when I, I like to have a whiskey or two in the evening and I'll find, I'll find myself going through my phone contacts mm-hmm. and like I've, I'm in such much more of a playful, open place at that time. I'll be stretching my body. It's quiet in the evening. I had a whiskey or two in me, which is a very good thing for me. It relaxes my mind and my body. And I just find myself so willing to and genuinely so express appreciation and Mm. i always find it reciprocated you know and appreciated back 
and things, good things come from that. So that's a, a way that I actually do do that in my own life. I love that you do that. I love it. And I, I want to ask you a question because it's coming in and, and because you experienced significant childhood trauma. Are you breathing? <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. It's my, I relieve stress through deep breaths. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's interesting, right? Because you just pointed to your nervous system. I, too, am a survivor of childhood trauma. And mm. I, I think it's interesting, right? Because everybody has trauma. And then there's kind of capital T trauma. And, and we know we live in a very violent and a very uh, aggressive, in, in a very toxic world. And you know, the nervous system is something that has been a massive thing for me to overcome and for me to learn ways to work with it. And it's interesting, right? Because you expressed kind of a couple of whiskeys, right? You know, and being in that more and stretching your body. And now there's just ways that, right? Like I've discovered how to kind of like calm my nervous system. And I'm I'm wondering if that's always a struggle for you. It's more of like a Hmm. question. Is that something Hmm. that's always there for you? That's an interesting question. And just to be clear, when you asked that question and I took a deep breath, that I take deep breaths all the time. And when I'm partnered, especially my partners, it's kind of one of those like checks on the, like a box check in a, in a way is like how they're going to respond to that Mm -hmm. because it's very easy to take personally. I don't know if you've noticed this around me, Ron, but my, my partners, when I'm in partnership, they notice it and they're like, Oh my God, did I stress you out? And it's like, Mm. No, this is regulation. I do it probably once every five minutes. And the reason I asked you is because I do it. Oh, okay. Awesome. I, I, so what I'm recognizing in you is me. Yeah, that, nice. that, that's yeah. cool. That nice. was yeah. not a response to you asking that particular question. That was just a coincidence in time. Well, um, I know. I know. And <laughs> okay, it's just funny cool. that it came with that when I asked that question. Because, okay, cool. You get it. Yeah, right, cool. it's all in um, the space. Yeah. My last, uh, uh, my one of my last girlfriends, she... It was so cool what she did because I always get a little nervous because I don't want people to take it personally. Like I'm stressing them out, but I, it's very easy to do that. And I get that. And sometimes I am stressed out by what we're doing. And sometimes it is because of an interaction we're having. So it's always, it's a little, <laughs> it's just a little thing. Yeah. that's kind of hard on my partners, not huge. But my last partner, she goes, I go, does that stress you out? I'm a little nervous about it. She goes, she goes, no, it's when you take a deep breath and I hear it from another room away it reminds me of a wave breaking on the beach. <laughs> that was like, Man, that's romantic you. as hell. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, Oh my God. Thank you so much. You just said the oh gold standard. <laughs> I know. The gold standard. It's so true, but you know, it's, it's interesting. I often, I've, I, I too, I'm a writer and I, I'm claiming that, you know, yeah. like I'm still Climb practicing it. claiming Climb that. It. Do it. So I'll breathe now. It's my turn. Yeah. <laughs> it's my turn to be like, <gasps> But, you know, I I actually wrote about, you know, a lot of what I write about is, or what comes out in a lot of my writing are the traumatic stories, right? That that I'm still kind of processing and I've never been allowed to process. And and even sometimes I'm writing the same story, but from Mm -hmm. different perspectives or different ways. And there's a way I need to revisit some of these stories in order to process all of these pieces and parts. But what I've noticed in one of the stories that I wrote about was air hunger, Hmm. you know, and like, when did I stop breathing? Hmm. Right. And that, and that the breath is uh, uh, the Hebrew word is rush, I think. And, and, and it means spirit. 
And it's this idea of like, when you lose your breath, you lose your spirit. And and I had been not breathing for so many years. It was like my breathing because of my childhood and my nervous system was just always so shallow. It was like, I, it was for me, it was part of the trance of unworthiness was like, I, I wasn't, I wasn't giving myself permission to breathe, to take up space, to fill my own lungs, to nourish myself. It was like my way, I think, of making myself small, mm. my way of of making myself undeserving. Mm-hmm. It's just really mm. interesting. You know, there's a respiration, the spirit that I think that's where you're getting to is that those those are connected, mm-hmm. which I is is pretty cool. And I think that for I learned something recently about breathing. I, I used to be a, a competitive distance runner in college and it was a big part of my life, lots of breathing. And then I got lung infections when I was living in Australia and my lungs filled up and I was just breathing with about 10% of my lungs. My gosh. And since then, uh, it's been a pretty intense experience of regaining my lung capacity. And mm-hmm. I've noticed that breathing for me, you're saying you need to breathe, it's time to breathe. It almost always starts with a full exhalation, like mm-hmm. relaxing. Breathing for me is exhaling. It's not breathing in, you know? And then I started doing that. And I was like, oh, and you're talking about nervous system and calming the nervous system, particularly through well, body, but also through yeah. emotions has been a fucking game changer for me. Like yeah. it's changed my entire life. Having access to my emotions to be able to self-soothe, calm, not just mentally, but emotionally and ergo physically. And then those things, as you develop those, as I have developed those abilities, they can play off of each other and I can use my mind and my body or my emotions to kind of get access to the others, you know? Mm -hmm. And they've all played a part, but it it did start. I had this really interesting experience when I was experiencing about 10 years ago, um, severe uh, to extreme anxiety. And I had never experienced anxiety before in my life. And it was around my mother's case and some of those emotions coming up and her case got reopened. It's a whole story. But during that time when I was totally overwhelmed by anxiety, I was in, I was in a crisis. And I remember being like, someone told me to tell yourself that you're safe. Mm. And that's a very mental thing. Right. And I said, so I'd say it. And I noticed that for about one second, I felt safe. Hmm. And then it was like, too much weight to lift and I couldn't do it. And it just was hopeless. But then what happened over the next 10 years is about every three years or so, I would get into a relationship. My personal emotional issues usually come up through uh, romantic relationships. And I would get into a relationship that I didn't feel safe in. And then one thing would lead to another. I'd become codependent or too attached, dot, dot, dot. And I would be in a crisis, in an emotional mm-hmm. crisis. And But through the years, I would that one second that I used to feel safe grew into five minutes and it wasn't as hard. And now 10, 11 years later, having gone through this a few times, I can, it's almost becoming a a state of being like, I, all I have to do is say you're safe. I don't even have to say it anymore. I can just make a choice around my emotions that were once subconscious. And so when you're talking about self, um, when you're talking, uh, I forgot the exact question that you asked her. Oh, nervous system. It's mm-hmm. like, I finally have access to my nervous system in a way that I didn't have for most of my adulthood. And it has completely changed my life. 
I love that. Now, I have a question for you, Danielle. What was there somebody? Um, I mean, I know you guys have been friends for a long time, but was there somebody that kind of mentored you or did you get into therapy or like what was kind of the game changer for you that kind of started you? Oh my God. Is, is it, I use this term and I'm not sure it's the right term, but is it Blitzkrieg? Was that in World War II where they just like decided to yeah. throw everything at? Yeah. What does that word mean? I keep using it and I need to know what it means. Yeah, it's the it means lightning, lightning war, lightning strike, or something. And it's basically like use everything at once. What's yes. the word? It's the word. That's what Blitzkrieg. Yeah, Blitzkrieg. It was the, it was the German yeah. tactic for trying to take over Europe because they were okay. out, they're out of options. So they're just like, let's do everything all at the same time. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. That's what I did. That's what I did and have been doing. Is just especially when I get into crisis, it's like. And by crisis, I mean you're, you're experiencing emotions you don't have, you don't feel like you have control over. They're overwhelming. They're and they might lead to things like suicide. You know, and mm-hmm. I haven't been a suicidal person in my life, but there are experiences, emotional, psychological experiences that people can have who aren't chronically like kind of have one foot out the door that will just push you there. They're too much. You know, it's yeah, too much. Yeah, I'm. I'm so glad you said that. You know, because it's it's really true. And it's like what I remember actually sharing with people because I I I was that person. Like I was that person that was always. Uh, I'm not afraid of death. It's living that scares me to death. You know what I mean? Like I was like, this is bu- this is some bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> And people would be like, oh my God, that's terrible. Why would you say that? You know? And I, and I would be like, because it's true. Like, what, what do you not get about this? And, and like, I just learned again, like, that was a really, that's a really hard thing for people to hear. And it, mm-hmm. And to go back to like normalizing that we do not live in, you know, we have to create safe spaces here. Yeah. Well said. Yeah, that this is what we have to do, you know, is create safe spaces and communities of people that are safe for us and that can see us and can witness us and have hold conversations with us. And this is, again, I really believe that we're in a tremendous time of revelation, you know, and revelation, that word to me, you know, I'm reclaiming that from like the biblical word. Yeah. But I also love that word for so many reasons because it means so many different things to so many different people. You can have a revelation from the divine and you can also have kind of an inner like epiphany, a a revelation that kind of like now connects the dots. And for me, the nervous system is a bunch of disparate (laughs) dots that are looking for, you know, a, a a route that Mm, is mm, calming, you mm, know, that mm. actually grounds. Yes. It's like 7 million years we've been in this body. And most of that time, there hasn't been most of the things that we are surrounded with all day long. Like if you take a person, in my opinion, in estimation, I don't really know, but it just trips me out to think about taking a person from any time in that five to 7 million years past like 3000 years ago. And you just take that body and mind and you pluck them into today and they walk into a grocery store and they drive across thing. Maybe they fly somewhere. They would fucking freak out, you know? Yeah. They would. Like our nervous systems are under a pretty much constant state of trauma, at least unfamiliar, non sequiturs, doesn't link up with what created these bodies. And so I think that trauma, I'm glad it's being normalized as a term because you could probably live a very healthful life and, and, and your nervous system might actually be responding keyed up 
enough to where you could call it a traumatic experience just by living life these days. Just just the trauma of life. Exactly. And to your point, I have a really hard time in the grocery store. My my husband goes <laughs> for us, you know, because like he knows, like I'll be like literally in like it's aisle two and I'll be like SOS, SOS, you know, like, <laughs> I, I can't do this. Yeah. And yeah. like sometimes I come home and I'm like, you know, like this, you know, and he's like, go to the grocery store. And I'm like, yeah. Mm. Um, it, it just, it, I, <laughs> go to the grocery store. Yeah, I have good. to be really, cool. you know, yeah. yeah, that's cool. So you're like open to and sensitive to the real experiences that are going around you. And I don't, I hope it doesn't sound like it, but I certainly hope that you've not, you, that you don't feel any shame or strangeness around that, because I think that's actually a more honest experience, uh, and interpretation of an interaction with what's really going on. Well, and here's what I've noticed is my husband and I have very different nervous systems, right? And if I mm-hmm. look at the way he grew up, it's clear why he's so regulated. Huh. Now, does he get overwhelmed and does he experience trauma? Of course he does. But his nervous system is much more adaptable and is much more kind of in a state of groundedness and calming. And I believe that's because of his experience growing up. And he just had very stable, very consistent, very loving and non kind of, I'm not going to say that any family isn't crazy making to some level because let's just face it. They all are, but, but, but I think that there was less of that for in, in his world. And so I think for me, and I don't know about you guys, but, and Daniel, do you have children? Okay, because I know, just, Ron, you have two, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> Were you about just to say what? I'm your kid, you Daniel? Say? Or just, say, just the inner one. <laughs> just the inner child. <laughs> just the inner one, which then you have a bunch, right? So, yeah. right. But this, you know, this this whole realization for me, actually, I started having kind of like these hallucinations or flashbacks as my kids were growing up. That's what forced me to kind of start dealing with my trauma Yeah, because I was just going to repeat the pattern. Like that was really clear to me. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're destined to repeat it unless we disrupt it. That's right. Uh, the other thing I was thinking of is, is the, one of the tricky things about our nervous systems is that whatever our set point is for feeling normal, notice I didn't say safe or in danger, it's just whatever feels normal in our nervous systems. Like we tend to try to re- come back to that. So if you grew up in chaos, like you tend to try to create more chaos. If you grew mm-hmm. up in drama, you tend to want to invite that into your life. And then, and then it is, and then it becomes frustrating and overwhelming and you, and you experience burnout and all the other, you know, anxiety, depression, like everything, right. It's, it becomes too much. And then when you try to disrupt that and have to rewire the nervous system over time, I mean, Daniel talking about blitzkrieging, like he hit that point at some, at some moment in his life, I've hit it at different points. And we say, you know, it's time to deploy every tool in the tool belt, like the, the full yeah. Batman menu of things. And and nothing gets left out and everything has to be used. And some tools are better than others some days and some others aren't. Uh, but it's like, it has to happen. Otherwise, yeah. we we will stay stuck in whatever we think is normal. And if that is because you grew up with parents who maybe even to this day are still functioning alcoholics and have a way of relating to you that is demeaning and cruel, like you somehow will attract that to yourself and you will somehow like continue to play that same role. And it takes a tremendous amount of self-reflection and 
energy to stop that and to begin to find one tool at a time, one little thing at a time, one breath at a time, one waving, one wave crashing at a time to unwind from that. And it's, 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 I, I don't think it ever stops in some ways of fixing it, but it gets easier and it gets more enjoyable and more fun. I think and there more is magical and more magical. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And plus like, and this, I'm a huge proponent of this and that's that sometimes this experience of whatever each one of us call it, becoming more authentic, balancing your life, harmonizing, aligning, becoming more authentic, you know, sometimes it, there's a, a lot, not some, <laughs> I want to say just sometimes, but I'm tempted to say there's always failure. Like yeah. I'm constantly failing. I'm constantly struggling. I'm constantly like, it seems to be, it's sometimes I'm, I'm overwhelmed and I'm, and it just, nothing's working. And that during that time, I think it's really important to know that during that time, at least in my experience, that you're still succeeding in, if you, if you choose to re re-engage with something like, yeah. for example, I want to do several things professionally and it's hard. It's hard because it's hard enough to do one art or, or two, you know, and to engage with five is intense. And mm-hmm. also, oh, I just happen to like value taking care of myself and the things, the life that I'm responsible for, my environment and my car, my belongings, you know, my friendships and my clothes, my body. Like I try to I don't try. I value all of that. You know, the mm-hmm. outward yes. and the inward looking, looking good, feeling good, feeling aligned, feeling authentic. It's just a lot to do, you know, and I don't really know how to do it all. And I'm also kind of shit, you know, like I want to fuck off and I want to like waste the day and I, you know, but all of that, I want to be lazy. I, you got to recognize all those parts of myself too. And so mm-hmm. it's like a years long, decades long process of ever refining this thing of, like a good day, you know, just have yeah. a good day, you know? Yeah. yeah. And I just feel like it feels like trench warfare. And I don't mean to mail it up like that a lot. It, it's, it's beautiful too. It's hard. It, there's a constant state of enduring and just cocooning in this and rooting around in this process of, of like becoming, you know? And yes. I love, I've gotten to a place where, a place where it has become more joyful significantly, but that came on the heels of 15, 20 years of like getting after it and failing. You know what I mean? I really do. I was just going to say, I can really relate to what you're saying. And the reason again is, is because I think again, there was just a period of time that I was acutely aware of my own suffering. And I think my, my mindset, right. Was like, this is so hard. This is so hard. You know, like all of it just felt so hard. Yeah. So overwhelming, so fucking impossible. Yeah. And so, you know, again, I, I, I go back to kind of like giving us ourselves permission, right? And there's this way that there's our societal conditioning and kind of all of the trappings and all of the trauma that comes with it. And then there's the actual masculine and feminine energy. And I feel like, you know, there's such a great blend of that masculine and feminine energy that comes in in for the healing time, yeah. right? Where we Definitely. start to kind of get clear the chaff from the wheat 
Mm -hmm. right? And start to understand once all the kind of residue shakes off what those two energies are really all about, you know, and and allowing those energies to, I always kind of use that infinity sign because they're always dancing and playing and you're Mm. always looking to find out which element is missing because I love that connecting part on the infinity sign. I call that like that moment of creation because you Mm. need both, both of those energies to create anything new, right? Mm. And so even if you're in a moment where you are like, recognizing something's missing and like I'm I'm in the trenches and you're kind of calling forth that those energetic principles and like which element am I needing right now to kind of get back in flow get back in alignment For it's, sure. it's it's constant is my point it's constant there's a the significant uh, step in my own journey was Ronald and I have really gotten into independently and together the just the hero's journey idea that Joseph Campbell that 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 and and I was like, that's, that's the, the art. That's the way, you know, that's the way for a lot of years, get into there, you know, face your battles, thresholds, get helpers. Like it just felt like it encompassed everything. And then we had this guest on our show, Tracy Hunter, and she's a, a schema therapist out in Australia. Dr. Tracy Th- Hunter. <laughs> Dr. Tracy. Dr. Yes. Tracy. She's a delight. Like you will need to introduce you to her. She's amazing. Yeah. Well, more than a delight. She's just like she's badass you know yeah yeah Yeah. she has that she exists in that infinity cross you know like she Mm -hmm. anyways that's another subject but Uh, well said man yeah she introduced me to the feminine's journey the heroine yeah maureen murdoch yes well i had never heard that and it really was like someone is like i was trying to exist in half of the thing the whole time and someone just put the other half and to be honest, it's probably more like in another year, I'll get a whole other dimension going over here. You and will, me, it's yeah. going to continue to do that. But it was a huge step for me. Uh, and it had to do with chilling the fuck out, you know, and like <laughs> relaxing, and exhaling and, and yeah. knowing that that's not just taking a break. That's actually an incubatory cocooning like, mm. vital part of things. And it has to do with endurance. And I loved it. So it sounds like you're familiar, but I, well, I am. And, you know, and I think, Again, you talked about becoming, right? It's like it's like unbecoming from all of the shit yep. we were taught. And the becoming process is so beautiful and starting to bring in. Um, I had an episode with Ian McKenzie and it was all about kind of the missing mythologies. Like huh. we're not, oh, we're also kind of not taught that we have all this wisdom to draw from and it's kind of hiding in plain sight. But, you know, I want to, Daniel, I want to just ask you another question and I'm, I'm always... I'm like, damn, we're at time. And so we're, we're, we're going to have to do I'm this. Gonna keep going. It's up to you. You, you yeah, tell us. Yeah. We'll, we'll keep yeah. going for a little bit okay. because I love this conversation. And because also I just feel like there's no, I'm the boss, damn it, of this <laughs> That's damn a nice thing show. About it, right. Right. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I want to, I want to dive in a little bit about, you know, the book you're writing and your work in the world. And I know you're doing the podcast too. So tell me, tell me more about that. Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, my work in the world, that's an interesting way to phrase it. And I, I appreciate that. It, it, it depends on what level you kind of go from my work in the world is to take to my values and show up, you know, for, for myself, yeah. because then my teacup, fills up and it overflows and I have something to offer, you know, like, so that's my work in the world. But to answer your question more literally, I'm a painter. And so I'm an artist and it would be to live my values, 
go on the adventure of what that looks like, unthread the tangles of my life and start to create something beautiful. And then through painting and, and writing and, and honestly, just, just conversation, you know, mm-hmm. would be to express that adventure, share that adventure, you know, because I have lived a pretty awesome life and I still have hopefully decades and like I'm young, you know, it's just like, holy shit. You know, I've got, I got this, I got what a blessing and gift to have lived what I've lived and arrived to a place of like, I really feel like if I had to say, I feel like happy and healthy, you know? And yeah, Ronald knows like I'm a wreck in some ways, like my body and my mind, you know, but it's, it's all getting put into perspective and I feel really grounded and secure and confident and loving and caring. I'm just like, Oh my God, my teacup's filling up, you know? And so I just want to share that and express that. He probably won't say this, but Daniel's got at this point a waiting list for his paintings and is is doing a lot of commission work and a lot of he's busy. He's a busy man. And his uh, that was a fun thing to get to watch unfold in his life because I wasn't fully aware of his painting skills when we were probably for the first five, six, seven years of our friendship. I didn't paint during the first dude, six and years. And then of our something friendship. happened. It was like this dude just suddenly like it was like watching a fish jump out of the water and get on a bicycle and take off. Like that was watching Daniel do that. <laughs> Daniel, what happened? Uh, I mean, my cheeky answer to that is I got a divorce. <laughs> okay. But, but you know, yeah. like, hello, right? Like there's... It was huge. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I can relate to that from, you know, yeah. a, a former marriage and just, I, I had lost myself, right? Like yeah. there was a way that just, I I didn't have any creative anything. And that wasn't just because of him. It was also all of what we've talked about, just letting it all kind of manifest into then choosing a partner that would reinforce the unfinished business. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But (laughs) yeah. And so, so great that you're, you're painting and uh, I can't wait to take a look at your work. I mean, I have a lot to learn, a lot to learn as an artist and expressing myself um, both technically, but also just, it's true. Like I have a lot to learn. But I have been blessed with something. Yeah, Ron's over here, like, just so our listeners know. I was just like, cut the humility bullshit. I've got my little tricks to make it look like I know what I'm doing. But I, you know, I'm going, I'm going back to school. You know that you have this and that you just expressed it. It's like you're happy and you're like diving in. You're like, you see, you've got this and there's this whole other element or part of you to explore now and and push push the edges on right 100 percent, yeah also daniel like it doesn't matter what you perceive your skill to be or not to be because the fact of the matter is people like your work enough to give you their hard-earned money in exchange for your your effort and your creativity you know what's really interesting too, Daniel? I'm going to go back to what you said before, which is like I'm happy and yeah, uh, like what a contribution to the world just that is. Like we underestimate just by being, you know, honestly that full cup that you were expressing. That's true. How what a contribution just that is to this world. Yeah, and you can give that anytime. Like this is what Ron and I talk a lot about, and we're kind of like my friendship, my current friendship with Ronald is one of the most it's one of the ex- highlights of my life in, in, in life so far. And to have someone and to be not in high school or junior high when you have like your best friend type of situation. And we kind of experience that now. We don't even live in the same state, you know? Yeah. It's very, very cool. Um, and we're one thing that we're kind of learning and learning how to do is that, oh, there's all these opportunities all day long. 
especially with how easy it is to reach out to people and connect and how many people there are around to just to show up, to give, to offer something, to like become a hair trigger on if someone drops something, help them pick it up. If some, if you like someone's hair, like I like it, but hit and run that compliment. Like it's, it's not unconditional. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, I do. <laughs> and, and it's like all day long we have that, but then, but then the tricky part is giving it to ourselves Yeah. in, in ways that we need. Like, for example, one of the hardest things for me to do is to feed myself well, mm. but I'm a, pretty decent cook and when i host people i love cooking for them sit down i got this here's wine here's something relax here's music you dj i'm cooking what do you like and and it's a joy and i like plating things and i like putting the glass i like the nice glass for the right thing and i like the whole thing the big rock and the whiskey. i love it all and then i look at myself fucking eating most of the time and i'm like huddled over my counter with eating from the pan like a feral beast <laughs> and I kind of love it and it's charming but also it's like bro fucking light a candle <laughs> fucking bro just Jesus, light a candle man. oh my god that is so good it's like it's right it's like catching yourself in the act right of just like your bestiality you know Seriously. it's just like could we refine this for just a minute yeah yeah and then flop Great. that one time and I'll be like someone will come over i'm like here's your pan of slop like join me this is my real world you know well and again there is that perfect example of masculine and feminine right just like you know it's so good it's so good and it's just and and it's that human part of us that's just like whatever and i'm terrible at that part too i'm terrible at like taking my care of myself in some ways yeah. like yeah. I, I just it's like i want somebody to come and rescue me still oh, right totally. from like yeah, making yeah. dinner for myself and doing that kind of stuff yeah you feel that wrong to be rescued yeah i've never heard that oh for, for yeah for the first i'd say solidly until i was till i got sober till i well till i stopped yeah. drinking i should say and it was and when in was that, that run uh it'll be eight years ago in in february Okay. Congratulations. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. Thanks. Does that contribute, Ron? Does that contribute to kind of your being really careful about substances? Yeah, of course. Of course. Okay. Yeah, 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 for sure. For sure. And judgment by the way too, right? Like judgment against myself to the go along. I used to call myself sober. Now I can't because I am not, I, I don't, I happen to not drink now, but the work that I did in there and the, and continues to this day and is good. But I was going to say about that. I had something to say. Around, uh, well, I was asking about, oh, damn it. Now I forgot. Well, yeah, forgot on top of forgot. Of wanting <laughs> to be rescued. Of that wanting to rescued. be rescued. Yeah, thank you. Well well done. Yeah, I appreciate that. Thank you for rescuing me. <laughs> you took three of us. You rescued uh, both of us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One of us um, is listening. One of us is listening. I, I realized then, I realized <laughs> then no one's coming for me. No one's going to, mm. no one's going to come and fix me. My, you know, I had two wives at that point. I was married, you know, I'm going to make a second marriage. I had kids and none of those things I thought were going to somehow automatically autocorrect my course uh, were working, you know, no amount of success or work or job titles or any of those things were happening. And, and I was numbing out pretty good until I wasn't. And then when I wasn't and really began to feel my feelings and allow myself to experience all of the the confusion and discomfort and fear and all of that stuff, I realized, oh, this is, this is it. This is my time to step up into this. And I, 
I don't look for that anymore. I mean, I mean, I, I tend to try to get continue to put myself in situations where I think like there the option is failure or success. Mm-hmm. And and sometimes people come and help, and that's really fun. I really enjoy that, and it's really great. And sometimes it's just a measure of my own my own stick to it in this and my own journey. And I think Daniel mentioned this earlier about a, a new relationship with failure. I've had to realize, and I, and I think some of our, our last couple of guests come from the rock climbing world, which is where I spent a lot of time. They have a really beautiful relationship with failure, mm. like, like a real embrace, embracing a failure as part of the process and part of the joy of, of the process of life. Like you'd think that the pinnacle moment of a climber's life would be at the top, but it's not. It's the start and stops of the same thing over and over, trying to get stronger, trying to get past your fears. And I had so much judgment over failure for so long that 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 was stopping me. You know, my my son, when he was a little boy, had, um, you know, we were thinking about he had a lot of problems in class because he would get his done work early and then be a class clown. And he's he's like actually funny. And go figure. Yeah. And the. And they tried to get us to have him skip a grade. And then we went into the whole like gifted and talented thing. And one of the things that they had said in there was, um, you know, one common thing with kids that experience this kind of deal is that if they can't do it perfectly, they can't Mm -hmm. do something perfectly the first time, they just won't. It just won't happen. And I have experienced a lot of that in my life. I'm not saying talented or gifted, neither of those things, but I had a lot of judgment over that kind of deal. If I couldn't do something really well, or if it was really hard, I, I didn't want to do it. I wrote a, a screenplay in the, um, I don't know, 13 years ago or something. And it was for a guy from like a, a well-known Hollywood guy who had a lot of success. We had gotten... He wrote MacGyver. Yeah, <laughs> he did. He created MacGyver. I love that part of that story. And we connected. It got, ri- you know, it was just a lucky kind of thing. And, I, and he asked me to write a screenplay and I wrote it. And my brain was unable to have any standard less than this has to be a Oscar award-winning screenplay in one go. Mm -hmm. That is the only option. That was the only way my brain could get around that. And I wrote it and he was like, Mm, interesting start. (laughs) You know, like let's, let's do this a few more times. And and I didn't understand that the average screenplay that makes it right. Cause there's more, more that don't way, way more than don't that makes it, it goes through an average of 11 rewrites, full rewrites. And I didn't have good, a good relationship with failure. And, and, and I think that's a big part of my healing journey is, is understanding one, no one is going to come to rescue me. I'm in charge. People will join me if I need help. Like if I need help, I can ask, they'll come divinely and physically or all the above. And the other is like, sometimes things are just really hard and you've got to work at it over a long time. Yeah. That process is part of the gift of healing and transforming and being the better person you want to be. And I wish I had known that in my twenties, but I, I, you know, I'm 41 and get to have a different relationship with it. Yeah. Well, and it, and it's not that we're not kind of told because I, I do remember kind of hearing, right? But it's oh, like, yeah, I, couldn't, exactly. I couldn't hear yeah, it. I couldn't right. really hear it. And I think too, that that really is a testament how just 
in terms of how strong our subconscious yeah, is. Yeah, no kidding. And, yeah. and, you know, that what I love so much about this conversation, well, is so many things, but I'm recognizing because the two of you are so open and so emotionally relational and connected to yourselves, what I'm actually noticing here, which is so great, is that I'm like, mental note, men also have perfectionist tendencies. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like women, we tend to think that that's like our our deal. And it's actually, it's we were talking about this in the last episode, in the Beautiful You episode, that men also struggle with concepts of beauty. Yeah. And struggle with their looks and their appearance and their identity and their identity tied to something. And really, I think all of us in this human struggle and normalizing the human struggle and understanding that it's through conversations and normalizing and telling these personal stories that bring these, you know, just all of these human, (laughs) just human things to the surface, that that's how we actually that's the biggest gift I think we can give to the world is our own personal story and our own personal struggles. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That one for me is big too, because like I was, I always use the definition of, um, or the metaphor of like, why was it that I, you know, like first time I pick up a racket, I think I'm supposed to be Serena Williams, right? Like, it's like, I can't, I can't get it the first time or even the sixth or the 10th or the 20th time, you know, like where did this, where did this come from, this high bar? You know, and of course that's a, a bigger conversation for another time, but I'd love to have it with you guys. You yeah. know, because because I think, you know, all of these things that are again hiding in plain sight are these great fertile territory for really rich discussion that I think people walk away from just being like, I'm not alone, you know, I'm not alone. Real real quick note on that. Uh we just talked to Babsy Tsenkerl. She's like considered the best female all-around climber in the world. And for some insane reason, she came and talked to us on her podcast. Which is awesome. I can see why she did that. What's great is she's, you know, she was ni- the 2019 National Geographic Adventure of the Year. The best climbers in the world call her the best and say, but she's so quiet, it's hard to notice her. And she judo those those claims pretty hard with us <laughs> you know trying to like deflect like us stuff. <laughs> she was like get out of here with your intro bio bio writing master like fucked it all up anyways but long story short i, I know we're past but i just really quickly no no what i gathered from her the most important thing was her relationship with failure and there's this little comment it wasn't in the podcast it was in uh, the national geographic article written about her they had, she was talking about this climb she was trying to do. And long story short, she had tried for three days and she couldn't get this one move. And she talked about how previously in her life, she would thought there was a rule. And I hope I'm not misquoting, but the gist was there was kind of a rule around if you couldn't get the move after three days, you gotta just, you're done. You can't do it. You're not ready for it. Yeah. Yeah. But what she noticed was after three days, she was slight, it was slightly less challenging. She still couldn't do it, but it was a little bit better of a place. And I talk about this thing called Kairos time a lot, which uh, is a different way of looking at time. And I actually create my more my own little version of this because Kairos time is even something different. But long story short, if time is an illusion, then those three days didn't pass. And you're what you actually are is you're on that mountain at that time or on that uh, that uh, pitch at that time, and you can, and you're where you are on that. And it was it was easier. It is easier now than three days earlier. 
And I feel like that's the adventure. That's life is screw this time thing, how old you are. There are things incrementally better, even if that incrementally better is after a year. And if they are, keep going. Keep going. That's right. I love that. And I love that you brought up that time because the the chronos, right? And the yeah. Yeah, it's Kyros, it's yeah, same male female time too. One again, is like chomping. Yes, yeah. Yes. It's, it's, yeah. Anyways. I mean, again, all of these these missing, right? These missing concepts that then kind of create that whole bigger picture that is just like the apple you want to take a bite of because it's so amazing. And it's so just, I don't know, there's, you know, there's again, back to the magic. It's like that for those people that haven't discovered that there's this whole other side, right? There's this whole other aspect to living our lives. And I think sometimes, of course, we're talking about multiple different aspects, but what I call that is what's hiding below the surface, right? That if we're willing to go within, that that's where we make all of those discoveries of all of the things that have been missing. And that is that where that connection to the divine starts helping us put everything into wholeness and helps bring it all together for us to kind of have a vantage point suddenly where it all starts to make sense. And if so, if you're listening to this episode today and you've been able to be a part of this incredible conversation and you're still looking, right? You're still kind of seeking part of the part of the trick of it is that it is really hiding in plain sight. And so sometimes, you know, I just tell you to, or as Morgan would say, soften mm-hmm. your gaze, yeah. right? Um, And that's, that's Ron's wife. And you can learn about her work as well. But I just want to thank both of you. Really, this has just been such a delightful, rich conversation. Yeah, Yeah. really, really sweet. Any place you you guys want to lead our listeners to go and listen and learn more about you or? Yeah, search for Cutting for Sign, any any place you look for your podcast. And that's probably the best place to go. And then, you know, from there, you'll be able to find us pretty easily. And then Monica, you're going to be on ours next week. Yes, uh, I, I am. I can't wait. I, I hope we so can we make it like continue. part two of this conversation because this oh, is we will. this is a I think a real. You said you were talking about it earlier. I think before you press record about something expansive. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a feeling of expansion in this kind of conversation, and I think there's a feeling of, of new possibility and and generative a generative outcome. Right, like it's good for you it's good for your listeners it's good for daniel and i as individuals and as a team and for our listeners and that's i am into that i am so into that everybody wins i'm so into that this is we're all in the healing journey together and we're reflecting such great parts of ourselves back to each other right we hear our story we hear each other's stories we get to reflect back how that's helpful and beautiful and wonderful and, and finally, we hear something good about ourselves from outside of ourselves, which hopefully confirms the thing that the, the inclination, the inkling that we have that we might be good. <laughs> we hope to we, be good. We are so good. I, I, I just dare all of us to claim that moment by moment. And so, yeah, we will put, you know, the links in the show notes. And until next time, more to be revealed. We hope you enjoyed this episode. For more information, please visit us at jointherevelation.com and be sure to download our free gift, subscribe to our mailing list, or leave us a review on iTunes. We thank you for your generous listening. And as always, more to be revealed.